We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello and welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you you are here with Megan Gower and it has been another crazy couple of weeks in NCAA women's basketball. Lots of upsets, lots of things changing in the top 25. So definitely an exciting time in the start of the season this year. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about all those upsets and things going on, and also about the UConn-Princeton game and the Ivy League hoops. To do that, I am here today with longtime friend of the show, Ivy League reporter for the next, and former Her Hoop Stats team member, Jen Hatfield. Just a quick note before we get the episode started, we did record this on Monday before UConn announced that their sophomore guard, AZ Fudd, will miss three to six weeks with a right knee injury, which she sustained in Sunday's game against Notre Dame. So Fudd will not be playing in the upcoming Princeton or Maryland matchups that we allude to on this podcast. Hey, Jen, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Always, always good to be back on the podcast with you. Glad to have you back on and an exciting news. Jen is also coming to Connecticut this week for UConn Princeton, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today, of course, but (laughs) very excited for that as well. (laughs) So double dose of Jen for this week for me, at least. (laughs) And my first time in Gamble, very, very excited uh, to to be at that game and, and to hang out with you. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm also excited for that game. Also, I feel like first time in Gamble should be fun this year because the UConn student section has been absolutely insane for the women's games, which is kind of fun to see. So that'll that'll be a good time. Love a good student section. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to talk a little bit, of course, about UConn to Princeton, which is on Thursday, some about the Ivy League, and then some just general chaos of things that have happened in the last few weeks because it has been crazy. I feel like it started with like the Thanksgiving week tournaments and then it's just just 
continued to spiral into craziness since. <laughs> yeah, the top 25 looks very different than it did three weeks ago. So definitely lots of stuff happening. But maybe starting off with, with Princeton, um, Foil out of the top 25, one of those teams that was in at the start, not quite in there yet, but still four and two on the season, making a trip to Connecticut to play head coach Carla Bruby's former team where she played at UConn. Um, so that I feel like is one of the, the most exciting parts of this matchup. It should be kind of a, a fun homecoming for her and a, a great story there in terms of her bringing her team back to play at Gamble. Yeah, definitely. She's talked a little bit already about just how, you know, Gamble still feels like home to her. And she has she's actually coached there like 20 years ago when she was just starting as an assistant at, at Providence. But um, she coached at Division Three Tufts for a long time. And so this will be her first time there as a head coach and really just looking forward to seeing, you know, the reception she gets and, and how her team plays. Yeah, definitely. I feel I'm sure she'll get a warm reception from the UConn fans at least before the game, and then maybe not so much during. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that should be fun. And I mean, I think Princeton still, even though they've fallen off a bit, still a good team. They've, like you said, four and two. Those losses coming to Villanova and Texas, so both teams that have been amongst the rankings. Um, and they've got wins over. So I'm slow here. Seton Hall. And Fordham, which are both pretty quality wins, I would say Fordham a team. I think that surprised some people early on. And then Seton Hall, team that's making a little bit of noise in the Big East. They upset uh, Marquette this week. So, I guess, what do you like about this Princeton squad this year? Obviously, a little bit different without Abby Myers, but yeah, it's definitely a squad that's um, a little bit more in flux maybe than we expected at the beginning of the year. And I think that's expect that's, uh, shown in their kind of tumble out of the rankings, right? Some places had them as a top 20 team, uh, entering the season. And that's a little bit higher than what they've shown. Um, they're still following kind of the same general formula of defense and timely shot making that made them so good last year. They've got a lot of balance on their roster, um, but they're still figuring things out a little bit and they don't look as convincing yet as they did last season when they were just stomping people um, with a lot of help to Abby Myers and not only her scoring, but kind of the swagger that she carried herself with. Um, so they're, they're replacing Abby, but they're also kind of shifting pieces around her. So Abby played mostly the three could slide to the two could even handle the ball if they needed her to, but she didn't really need to. Um, so she mostly played the three and to replace her instead of slotting in another three, they've moved their four down to the three, moved their five to the four and have slotted in a new five. So they have four starters back, but they're kind of rearranging how they all play together and working on some new things in their offense that have them looking just a little bit, um, you know, they still are developing that chemistry. Um, and then a couple of their shooters have had a little bit of slow starts. So they still look good. There's no reason to think that they are not at least a top two team in the Ivy League. Um, they were the preseason favorite. That doesn't look silly. They're just still, you know, it's early December. They're still figuring themselves out. Um, and they're using this non-conference as a way to do that. Um, Carla's never been afraid of taking losses in non-conference play. She sees the bigger picture. And so, um, you know, they're just not as dominant yet as they were last year, but um, they can get there. Definitely. And obviously UConn is going to be a, a tough matchup for them, but a good test as well to kind of really see where this team is at currently. 
um, I feel like for from UConn's perspective, probably the biggest threat that they have to worry about on this Princeton team is Caitlin Chen, who's leading them in scoring so far this season. Yeah, she, she's a very dynamic point guard. Um, I think kind of the, the two categories of things that UConn is going to have to have to deal with is the perimeter. There's Caitlin Chen and then Julia Cunningham at the two is their second leading scorer. And she has struggled with her shot, but is still extremely effective. Um, so they're going to have to worry about the perimeter, but then they're also going to have to figure out how to box out Ellie Mitchell, which uh, pretty much no one has figured out how to do this year. She's put up some ridiculous stat lines. She had 23 rebounds, I believe it was, against Seton Hall. Like, she's she's just amazing on the boards. And so uh, UConn's definitely going to have their hands full with her there. She's not um, a huge offensive threat, though. You know, if you if you dump off passes to her and things like that, she can finish. She can get putbacks, but she's not going to be, you know, creating a ton of her offense. She's just going to be getting steals and blocks and rebounds and, and doing all the little things. Yeah, that should be an interesting kind of matchup to watch in this game, because I think one of the things that UConn struggled with the most in their loss to Notre Dame on Sunday was kind of getting on the glass and really dominating inside. And they they really struggled against that on Notre Dame. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of improve a little bit on that against Princeton and specifically with the matchup with Ellie Mitchell. Yeah, and they also just have more size than they did last year with those positional changes that I mentioned. So Ellie Mitchell's spending a lot of time at the four this year, and then they've got uh, Paige Morton at the five, who gives them some size. So um, that, you know, helps. They can go big, they can go small, um, which gives them a little bit more versatility than they had last year when they had kind of a short rotation, um, both numbers-wise and size-wise. You know, last year they're starting four and five or five eleven and six one, and so now those are their starting three and four, so um there is there is that to contend with too yeah exactly which will be interesting for UConn it seems like Dorka Uhas is still kind of a, a question mark for Thursday so if they don't have her you kind of feel like it's a little undersized against a lot of teams right now but just Aliyah Edwards kind of in the post they've been playing a smaller lineup so it'll be interesting to see what those matchups look like going into Thursday if they don't have Uhas. So I think it is possible they'll have her. That one seems a little on the fence at the moment, though. Yeah, definitely, definitely will be tricky for for Princeton if she is, you know, a game time decision. Figuring out how to how to yeah. deal with that in either direction. Um, but one other player to note um, for UConn fans who may not be super super familiar with Princeton is Grace Stone, who's who's their three right now. She is um, kind of the trying to think of a good comp, but she is the one who is going to benefit if UConn spends too much of its energy trying to contain Caitlin and Julia and Ellie. Um, she can hit threes. She can work inside. She can be another ball handler. Um, last year when she was playing the four, she often brought the ball up to like relieve pressure because no four is going to pressure her 94 feet. Right. Um, so she, she is a Swiss army knife. She can do everything. She's actually, she started her career at Princeton as a guard. Then she became a forward last year, and now she's back to a guard. So uh, <laughs> she can truly do it all. Um, and so she's one that you want to make sure that you don't quite, you know, ignore entirely because she will make you pay for that. Definitely. I think that's going to be a good chance for you kind of see kind of, again, have to guard most positions on the floor, which always makes the defensive matchup a little challenging. Um, I guess from a UConn perspective, we should also talk about the fact that Easy Fun, I think it sounds like, is playing in this game from everything we've heard so far. What Gino said after the game, 
against Notre Dame is that it was mostly precautionary and to be on the safe side and that everything was pointing to her playing on Thursday at this point. So for, I guess, just fans of the game in general, I think that's a, a good sign. I don't think we want any more top players out this season. So hopefully that is true and we will see her back on the court on Thursday. But I think from a UConn perspective too, coming off that loss, I'm sure there's things they're going to be working on specifically from what went wrong in Notre Dame, mainly their inability to shoot the ball at times in that game. So that should be an interesting to kind of see if they can kind of correct some of those things in against Princeton. Yeah, well, Princeton has had some of those moments too where, where they can't <laughs> shoot the ball super well. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, gets hot and who has some dry spells. Um, look for Julia Cunningham to probably start on AZ would be my guess. She is their uh, perimeter defensive stopper, but Greystone is also really, really good defensively and could could take some shifts. I mean, no one on Princeton who plays is, is bad defensively, but um, that would be what I would expect from a, a matchup standpoint. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm looking this up as I'm saying it, but being you said that Greystone has played at the forward, is she a little taller? She's 5'11". She's, yeah, yeah, so Tony was the 5'11 uh, four player <laughs> last year. So uh, a little bit though, because I feel like <laughs> I feel like in the few minutes that we did see AZ Fudd against Notre Dame, they had Sonia Citron on her was who is a little taller, and it kind of disrupted AZ on the perimeter more than I think we've seen her be disrupted so far this season. So I wonder if Princeton will try to do something similar at times. Yeah, and, and Julia has good size too, so um, they can really kind of hand her off um, as needed. Um, so Grace is just a little bit probably bigger, stronger a little bit. Um, if they need to like body her up a little bit more, Julia is pretty wiry, but um, both of them have have length, at least that you can you can put on her if you want to. Yeah, definitely. So I think those matchups will be interesting. What about you, from your perspective? Ton of things that if Princeton was going to pull off, I think it would be quite the upset. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> what would they have to do right against this UConn team? Yeah, I, th- I think one thing would just be getting off to a good start. So which sounds obvious, but. Um, last year, Princeton was known for suffocating you in the first quarter with its defense. Like it, it literally gave teams two points in the first quarter or four points in the first quarter. And they haven't really done that yet this season. They've been good defensively, but they haven't been like best in the nation defensively. And I'm not saying that I expect them to hold UConn to two points in the first quarter, but I think having a really strong defensive first quarter and kind of settling in and not getting hit with a UConn run to start the game would be a really important thing um, to come out with the win. Um, staying out of foul trouble is going to be important. Um, they they do have some players that Carla's comfortable playing off the bench, but they don't go super deep. Um, last year in the NCAA tournament, when they lost by a point to Indiana to uh, miss out on a Sweet 16 date with UConn, uh, they had foul trouble to both Abby Myers and uh, Caitlin Chen. And so that, that cost them there. And, you know, I think anytime we go to a game, right, we, we don't want to see it um, affected by foul trouble. And I think that's going to be key on, on both sides, too. You know, you don't want Ellie Edwards getting in foul trouble, particularly if, if Dork is not playing. Um, but, you know, keeping Ellie Mitchell on the floor, keeping Caitlin Chen on the floor, keeping Julia Cunningham on the floor, like they're going to need to ride with their best players and they're going to need them to be able to be aggressive without having to play with a hand tied behind their back. And then I think just one more thing that I would say is um, getting Julia Cunningham going. She's shooting a career low percentage from the floor. 
Um, she was their second leading scorer last season. A first team all Ivy player um, is their second leading scorer again this season, but just hasn't looked particularly comfortable with her shot. She's very crafty. She's a three level scorer. And if she gets hot, that could totally change the complexion of the game. We just haven't really seen it yet this season. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that game where she snaps out of it. I mean, UConn fans who are a little bit pessimistic could be like, oh, yikes, because she's kind of due for a breakout game. Um, and if she has one, I think that could be just huge, you know, both for her and, and for the contagiousness it could have um, on the rest of her teammates. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like it's always fun when there's players that are due for one of those games and then they actually have one, yeah. especially this early in the season. Cause like you just, you know, when someone is like shooting so low below their total from last year, like it's not going to keep happening. Eventually they're going to figure it out. So yeah. Always fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe let's talk a little bit more around the Ivy League, too. I know Princeton is not the only team that you're excited about this year. It's another team that maybe is even uh, becoming a bit more of a favorite than than Princeton to win the Ivy League. So you want to tell me more about Columbia? Yeah. So, um, you know, anyone who knows much about the Ivy League knows that Princeton has dominated it for the past decade or so. Um, with some, you know, competition from Penn here and there. Um, and other teams have kind of been challengers, but never really toppled Princeton too much or given them too much um, trouble. Um, but last year, Columbia started surging. Uh, Columbia, to put it simply, for most of their history, was a bad team. Um, didn't have much, much history to speak of, um, but... Alumna Megan Griffith uh, came back several years ago as the head coach, and she has methodically built them um, into what was last year, a 12 and two Ivy league squad in the regular season, second place, only losses were to Princeton um, went to the elite eight of the WNIT last year, um, including a win over Boston college. Oh, and they return everyone except for their third string point guard this year and have looked fantastic. Um, this is also going to sound like a hot take. I think they've looked better than Princeton so far this season. They look more cohesive, look like they have better chemistry, which which makes a lot of sense, right? Princeton lost Abby Myers, Columbia returned basically everyone. Um, but as of right now, Columbia looks like the team to beat. They just beat Miami in Miami to win the Miami Thanksgiving tournament. How many times can I say Miami in the same sentence? <laughs> um, but yeah, they've just got a lot of stars. Um all five starters are in double figures, which is pretty awesome. And they lead the nation in total threes made as of right now with exactly 100. And they are also 12th in percentage. So um, they are some three-point bombers and they're really fun to watch. Um, one, player to, one player to watch is Abby Shu. She's a junior guard. Um, she just passed her head coach in career points as a junior. She's, I believe, eighth in program history right now, which is pretty awesome. Um, and she is, uh, third in the country in total threes made right now. She's got this, like the signature Abby shoe move is shot fake one dribble to her left, launch a three, sometimes contested splash. That's, that's Abby. <laughs> for you. So she's really fun to watch. Um, but then you've got also first team all Ivy, uh, performer, Caitlin Davis. You've got sophomore Aussie point guard, Kitty Henderson, who is super fun, um, I like to throw an Ariel Atkins comp on her um, just for like the way she plays, like the grit factor. 
Um, and then there's Duke transfer Jada Patrick, who is also super fun, super athletic, um, can score, you know, she can be super dynamic. So um, I will, I will pause there and I will just add as well that they took a foreign tour this summer. So that's another reason why their chemistry is there. They were able to get some extra practices in and an extra trip overseas um, with some extra games. So they've looked really good. Um, they're really fun to watch. Would highly recommend checking them out. And the Columbia Princeton games this season are going to be epic. Definitely. Uh, they play UMass in a few days too, which that should be a yes. fun matchup. Um, UMass is a team, I think, getting votes at this point in the AP poll, so, so that should be fun. Um, yeah, the thing that sticks out to me is I'm scrolling through their stats here. Like you said, all f- five players in double figures, but also their assisted shot rate is top six in the country, like 68%. That's pretty insane. Almost 20 assists per game, so that's very fun as well. A team that definitely knows how to move the ball, which is yeah, they've scored. to watch. They just beat Marist and Lafayette. Um, and they scored a combined 197 points in those games. Um, Abby Shu by herself had 49 of those on like almost 80% shooting from the field and from three. She won uh, Ivy League co-player of the week, unsurprisingly, for that. Only co-player for that? I feel like that should be deserving of a single player of the week award. <laughs> well, the, uh, the other co-player, also if you're looking for somebody to fun to watch, um, is Harmony Turner from Harvard. Harvard, by my money, is the third best team in the Ivy League right now, um, though that could change. They are kind of similar to Columbia, um, except that they are even more um, happy to shoot the three. Like, like they obviously haven't taken as many because I just told you that Columbia ranks number one in the country. But um, in terms of like how reliant their offense is on the three, they are very three reliant and have a ton of sharpshooters on that team. Um, and not much size and kind of an eh defense. Um, so they are really fun. Harmony Turner is their point guard. Um, she is pretty much a do-everything player. Um, didn't have her best night tonight in a loss to Northeastern. Um, like, didn't shoot the ball well, but had something like uh, five rebounds, four assists, and four steals. So, oh, and she's also playing on a torn meniscus, casually. Oh. <laughs> That sounds not good for her, but yeah. <laughs> right. You would not know it by by uh, watching her play. So she had she had a really she had a really big scoring number. I forget what it, it was something like twenty five or thirty um, against Boston College earlier this year. So she's really fun. Um, she had a big week as well and was co player with Abishu. Fair sounds like it was deserved then with those kind of numbers when it's an off night and you have five rebounds and four assists and four steals that's still a pretty good night <laughs> right yeah. it's, it's hard not to watch harmony turner when you're watching her team like even if she's not doing anything you're just kind of drawn to her is my best way to describe her fair we'll have to check her out i have not watched her play yet i admittedly have not watched a ton of ivy league i did watch princess game against villanova the whole one. I think it's the only full Ivy League game I've watched, if I'm being honest. That's all right. Play more opportunities. <laughs> yes. Columbia UMass is going to be really good this Saturday. Yeah. No, definitely going to bookmark that. That should be a fun one. Well, I'll obviously be watching Princeton on Thursday. So Harvard <laughs> UMass was really fun earlier in the season. Um, UMass won, but um, it was it was tight throughout. It was back and forth. It was just it was rowdy and Levides like. It was it was a really solid game. So, um, yeah, those those are kind of the top three right now. And and Penn and Yale um, are 
in some order my four and five right now and could both contend for the Ivy League tournament, but are kind of still figuring things out, um, especially on the offensive end. Though Yale almost beat Syracuse this weekend, led by something like a dozen um, in the first half, um, but coughed it up in the second half. So, um, you know, with the net rankings coming out today, uh, half the league was in the top 120, which is the top third of the country. So it's going to be a fun league to watch uh, this season for sure. Definitely. That is exciting. Yeah. It's always fun when we get multiple sources of rankings early in the season. So I was also happy to see the net rankings today just to get a feel for where things are. I think it's always really interesting to look at like how they compare to like the AP poll or like her hoop sets ratings and across the board. Obviously the her hoop sets ratings are the best and most accurate, but (laughs) the new ones, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No, I just always think it's because like, they're so different, right? Like everyone uses different things. So like her hoop sets is different. And then um, obviously the net is different. And then the AP poll is obviously extremely subjective, but still a good way in some ways to measure things. So it's always. Yeah. Speaking (laughs) of how different they are, I was just looking at this earlier. So in the net, Columbia is ranked 31st. Um, which is the second best of any mid-major team. Um, and Princeton is at 74. But in the her hoop stats ranking, it's, uh, I forget the exact numbers, but one of them is like 43rd and one of them is like 44th. They're like right next to each other. <laughs> um, so we will see when they play each other, whether it looks more of the spread out variety or more of the neck and neck variety. Yes, <laughs> it will be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, I thought there's a lot of teams like that where they're like, either very close in one or the other or like just totally different or like where they are the AP poll just like does not align at all with the metrics it's also amazing in both directions like LSU being like five in the net is ridiculous but it is early, it is. Season, early season rankings chaos right yeah <laughs> but yeah fun stuff happening everywhere well, okay. So you've also been to a few top 25 games. You were out in St. Louis for when Notre Dame played Cal. You're also down in Florida when for that Maryland-DePaul game. I kind of want to start with Maryland because they're a team that I just quite frankly cannot figure out how good or not good they are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've they- seen Maryland for the three times live this season, and I'm still not sure. Um, I think that they have all the pieces to be really good. I mean, Diamond Miller, Abby Myers, obviously I know that Abby Myers is really good. Um, and I'm bullish on her at Maryland, uh, Cheyenne Sellers. They have all these, all these pieces. And I think it's just a matter of like how many of them are on, on a given day. Lavender Briggs is a really good player who struggled a lot this season. You know, they've got some, some talented freshmen. They've I think I'm, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but they've got a lot of talent on that roster um, and they're still just kind of fitting themselves together. Um, I think sometimes when you look at all that talent, you forget how new it is playing with each other. Um, like Diamond's really the only like long-term vet on the Terps um, who plays a ton. I mean, Faith Masonis has been there a long time too, but she was out with the ACL for a while. So everybody's kind of fitting together. Um, and I don't think they've, found the best version of themselves yet. I don't think they've settled into which lineups are the best versions of themselves yet. Um, There are times when they look really good, um, particularly when they can get out in transition. They have a press that's worked pretty well when I've seen them. um, And then they can look like they really get in a routine. 
Um, other times they don't look as locked in defensively or they're not moving as well offensively and it just gets a little bit stuck. Um, and so, you know, I think that they kind of like, kind of like what I was saying about Princeton, they just need more time together. Um, and maybe it's a little bit harsher toward them because they are the brand name Maryland and they were, um, you know, a top 25. Well, so was Princeton, but you know, they were a, a really, they were a perennial top 25 team and we're again entering the season and, um, so I think it probably like their struggles, like look harsher in that light, but I think they're relatively normal. Um, I don't know if they're going to win the big 10. I don't know how far they're going to go in the NCAA tournament, but that's like at least a decent team. And I think they're a good team. Um, and on nights when diamond Miller is scoring 30, um, they can look like a really good team. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's kind of been a lot of up and down. Like you have the Notre Dame win this week, obviously a very good win on the road at Notre Dame. And then the Baylor win, which is a, is a solid win. Even like that South Carolina game, they looked, I would say, solid for a lot of that game. Like, yes, South Carolina won it by 25, but like that's just what South Carolina is going to do to a top 20 type team. So I don't think that necessarily like says anything bad about Maryland. I thought they played them well, especially in the first half and then South Carolina kind of just took over at the end. But then you have something like the loss to DePaul down in the, uh, down in Florida, which you were at that. Yeah. It's just like kind of a head scratcher. And then, I mean, the 23 point loss to, to Nebraska on this weekend as well. Another one. Yeah. Where you're just like, you just beat Notre Dame. How did that happen? Yeah. I didn't watch that game, but I saw that score and I was like, Oh, okay. We're back on the like spinny wheel of how good Maryland is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good about them after that Notre Dame game, which I did mm-hmm. watch. Um, but yeah. Wow. Um, was not expecting a 23 point loss yeah. to Nebraska, which no shade to Nebraska. It's really the margin that, that astounded yeah, me. Exactly. I think they could have lost that game and you would have been like, all right, like Nebraska was a top 25 team at some point, but to lose it by. 23 is yeah it's it's confusing after watching them beat a Notre Dame team that went on to beat UConn by 14 this weekend just... good thing their schedule gets easier right oh wait <laughs> yeah never mind got, yeah <laughs> they've got I mean obviously Big Ten coming but UConn this weekend and yeah. then really full into Big Ten play so not getting any easier for Nebraska <laughs> yes I will. I will be at the UConn Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, I will be at the UConn Maryland game. So really curious to see. You know, really both games, UConn Princeton, UConn Maryland. What we what we get um, from everybody, really. I mean, even mm-hmm. UConn, uh, they have you know question marks that we want to see, um, and particularly if if they have to play um, without some of their pieces. So um, excited to see what we learn from this this week overall. Yeah, I think that's been the fun thing about, like, especially, like, last week with the ACC Big Ten Challenge and, like, these bigger games is you're starting to actually learn a lot about some of these teams because you just don't learn that much from, like, XYZ top 20 team blowing out number 200 in the country. Northwestern East Alien State. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's been a lot of that, and I'm (laughs) over that. I'm ready for, like, things that we actually learned stuff from. (laughs) I don't think there's any like I don't care how many points you beat like that team by it still doesn't like give us that much of a picture into what you would look like against the top 25 team we've had so much chaos and we still haven't even had the like 
games coming off of finals or heading into Christmas yeah. break or right after Christmas break uh, chaos, there's always like somebody caught sleeping or yeah. uh, <laughs> who just doesn't have their legs right now or, you know, so lot, lots to look forward to if you are a fan of, of chaos. Yeah, I feel like I, most people have to be a fan of chaos the way the season is going. I think it's been fun. It's more exciting to like not know what's going to happen every night. And I mean, Cal almost caused chaos to Notre Dame too yeah. um, in St. Louis. So um, that could have been extremely chaotic. I'm not sure like how much, like, I feel like Maryland has gotten way more flack on Twitter for, for, you know, like just being all over the place. And I feel like nobody really noticed how tough Cal made it on Notre Dame. Like obviously Notre Dame did pull out that game. Um, but I was like, wow, I, I, you know, I expected something reasonably competitive, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect Notre Dame to be like really, really sweating at the end of the game. Um, so definitely, I feel like they're a team too. Like as much as I do think Maryland played better against them, like I was still kind of surprised that they lost that game to Maryland. And then on the flip side, they go and beat UConn by 14, even without whatever pieces UConn didn't have, they still beat UConn by 14, on Sundays, it was kind of like two opposite results as well. And I think the thing for them is that against Maryland, I think they struggled to get things from kind of some of their players that aren't the stars of the team. And then they struggled to get things inside as well. Like Lauren Ebo did not have a great game against Maryland. She had a great game against UConn. That was a big piece of it. And then um, Maddie Westbald as well against UConn was able to like step up and hit some big shots. And I think that was kind of the difference maker. But I don't think we've seen those pieces be consistent yet for Notre Dame. And I think that's where the big question mark is with them at this point. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And then, I mean, for UConn too, I think we saw a lot of question marks in that game, obviously, as well. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they look against Maryland as two teams with very different question marks and lots of question marks. Also, can I just say about the Notre Dame Cal game that was like mm-hmm. super fun because both coaches are from St. Louis, and so like a large point of the game was to bring them home. Like we need more bring coaches home games. Like it was super fun. It was also the first um, women's basketball game live on NBC. Um, two black female head coaches and all black female broadcast crew. So it was like historic all around. Um, but it was like super fun, not only for the coaches to come home, but in talking to all of the players on the teams, like they loved bringing their coaches home and like having their coaches, like, like show them like both teams practiced at their coaches high schools, which is like another (laughs) thing that we need to institute as like a general rule that needs to happen. Um, because that was like extremely delightful, but like the players loved like you know, seeing their coaches get excited about like little things or like pointing out like my, my childhood house was off of that exit or um, things like that. Um, It was just like super wholesome and really enjoyed it. And it didn't hurt that there were so many children in the crowd, (laughs) just like screaming, wanting autographs um, actually to the point that the Cal players who went first in the post-game press conference did not want to leave the autograph signing and had to get like pulled away and were disappointed to come talk to us because they were signing autographs. Um, So like we need more of like all of that energy, the like on NBC, bringing coaches home, making little kids hearts explode, like all of it. Yeah. 
I agree. I love it. It's so much fun. Also, like, just the fact of, like, having a huge women's basketball game in a place that doesn't normally get big women's basketball games, I think is really important, too. Like, getting to play in not, like, one of the t 10 schools that usually draws, like, a huge fan base and playing in other places is really cool as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, which is pretty large, held the 2001 Final Four when Neil Ivey won as a player. That's a fun fact. <laughs> Um, they, they didn't fill it for that game um, this year, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um, the teams had a great time. The fans had a great time. Um, it was a great opportunity for the city of St. Louis. Uh, the coaches, high schools mobilized like a good chunk of the crowd was Neil Ivy's high school, like people <laughs> who knew her, current students. Um, it was wild. They held a pep rally for her with the Notre Dame band and cheerleaders and leprechaun the day before <laughs> high school. Like, that's bring so cool. this energy like around the country. Yeah, I love it. I want to see so much more of it. I'm obsessed. It's very cool. Yeah, her players like watched all of this happen and they were like, wow, this is <laughs> awesome. They were like I literally like, sitting in folding chairs on the baseline and like. <laughs> All of these current high school and younger students were in the crowd, like had filled the entire bleachers in these in this tiny gym and were absolutely going crazy for like everything the cheerleaders did. Um, the leprechaun was possibly their favorite person aside from me in the entire uh, thing. It was just it, it was great. They made amazing. sure it was great. <laughs> that is so that's, that's my soapbox for like anyone who needs an alternative to whatever happened in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, um, seriously. If you need like other tournament ideas, just like bring some people that, home. Yeah. Whether yeah, it's like Carla that. going back to Yukon <laughs> or whether it's like Neil and Charmin coming back to St. Louis. Homecoming's yeah. good. Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, we haven't had an episode since the Vegas debacle, but yeah, just oh, yeah. yikes. Do we, need to, do we need to like summarize that for the listeners? Yeah, probably. Vegas? So in short, there was a one of many tournaments in Vegas that was for some reason organized to be held in a ballroom. I think that's the best description of where it was played. And basically a court on a floor in a ballroom. Just overall nightmare. Not proper venue. Not proper medical staff, which caused a problem with the player that did go down. I forget which team from. Um, but they didn't get medical attention for far too long. Um, they had to bring yeah. their own hand towels from their hotel rooms. Like the ballroom was was not great, but like not the problem. But like mm -hmm. not having EMTs on staff, having folding oh. chairs but no actual seats for fans is a miss. Bringing your own hand towels, like come on. Yeah. Um, but there's there's another there was another Vegas tournament coming up this month, and teams pulled out of that. So. I saw that today. So um, that's something. But yeah, yeah, it was uh, not great out in Vegas recently. No, no, not great. And it was the, I forget what the tournament was called. It's the one that Indiana played in as well. The right. Indiana Las Vegas Invitational. <laughs> Sounds that's good. Really yeah, I know. I don't know <laughs> what it was called. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, overall not great. I think we saw lots of great events for Thanksgiving. That was not one of them. So we yeah. we saw them if Flow Hoops was cooperating. Oh yes, yeah, 
that too. <laughs> so did we if a tournament is a success but it's on flow hoops, did did it really happen? Did it even happen? <laughs> That's how I feel about the biggest games right now too. Like why why do Villanova and Creighton who are both ranked play on flow hoops on a Friday night? It's just upsetting. <laughs> ESPN, where are you? I don't think you have better programming than that on a Friday yeah. night. <laughs> it is Fox. It's a Fox problem, but still, well, Fox. Like, what Android else is on Fox Sports One or Fox Sports Two that you couldn't move that game to Fox Sports? They sent like the good broadcast crew too. They sent like John Fanta, the full like Biggie's crew, to broadcast a game on Flow Sports. Make it make sense. <laughs> Am I just all talking to like a cardboard tube and like to no one? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that is that is the flow sports experience. Yeah. It's that's what Princeton played on tonight because uh, they were playing at Towson and the camera did some like weird zooming in oh, things yeah. where you saw like one player and it's like, well, I don't know what's oh. happening over there. <laughs> well, I can't see the game, but it's fine. I it eventually. <laughs> yeah. The so, quality. Did I mention it costs thirty dollars? Yeah, that's I think that's what's the most if it was like thirty dollars for the year, okay, whatever. It's like $30 a month. It's ridiculous. If it was $30 a year, it would just be League Pass, which we yeah. all complain about, but it's like tolerable. $30 yeah, exactly. a month is like a whole nother universe. Yeah. It's insane, especially considering like how many different things you have to subscribe to to get like every other channel that women's sports are on. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't need to pay for 12 add-ons. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> But here we are. Shout out to the Ivy League, which is on ESPN Plus. Much easier to navigate. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I would be here for it. Like, I have no problem with ESPN Plus. It's like, what, $6 a month? And... It's gone up. It's now $9.99. It was a pretty, okay. like, decent what jump it by steep? itself. Yeah. But you can also bundle it with other things. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can bundle it with honestly, your Hulu. as long as it works. Yeah. And it's yeah. got some Also, games. it's quality. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I have no problem with the ESPN Plus situation. Honestly, it's cheaper than, like adding all the cable packages to get some of these like obscure channels that other things pay play on so yes i feel like we i feel like we always complain about like how hard it is to know what WNBA games are on because they have like facebook and twitter and blackouts but like college games are like low-key just as hard if you are not sticking to a single conference or a single team like if you want to kind of mix and match the like how can i economize this is very complicated (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like Texas, like only plays like half their games on like the Longhorn Network. network. Uh, no, the Longhorn Network. Yeah, I do have it on Sling now, but I have like so many things, and I'm like, I don't think Texas is good anymore. Maybe I don't need Longhorn Network. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Longhorn. I was like, you can't not watch the number three team in the country, and I'm like, well, maybe maybe we cannot watch Texas. <laughs> we can get rid of Longhorn Network and save some money. <laughs> It also yeah. cracks me up how, like, on flow hoops, like, sometimes, I don't know if they do this in the Big East, but, like, uh, teams will, like, kind of say it's their network, like, Towson Sports Network, but, like, on flow hoops. So it's, <laughs> it's really just flow hoops, but they're, like, branding it their own. Um, yeah, the Big East does its, like, Big East Digital Network or something. It's all Big East branded. Yeah. <laughs> it's still on flow hoops. I would, like, Big East digital network to be somewhere other than flow hoops <laughs> Big East would have a better argument as a power five conference if it was not on flow hoops in my opinion yeah well yeah i also feel like because they've been doing so well this year like the 
TV deal is just like not equipped to like keep up with the improvement in play. Like these games should be like something like Crate and Villanova. It's a top twenty five game that should be on television somewhere, not on a streaming service that costs thirty dollars a month where no one can watch it. Yes, even FS two, which is like obscure, like, not real, real channel, like can, yeah. can find it. Like even that would be exponentially better than exactly, Netflix. exactly. Or just like stream it on the Fox Sports app. Yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm convinced the Fox Sports app it hates me, but that's that's a me problem. Unclear. Yeah, plus, really use plus the sports hates so everyone. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember, and I'll stop my soapbox about flow sports after this, but like the Baylor Villanova game in whatever tournament that was, I think it was like Gulf Coast or something. Yeah, it was Gulf Coast. Yeah, it was like a two point game with like 40 seconds left, and the flow hoops was like, oh, nope, we're going to stop working now. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Fun fact that was like 15 minutes away from where uh, Maryland and DePaul played. Oh, the really? were so close together. That's funny. <laughs> I, I didn't realize it um, early on, though, or else I might have tried to pull double duty. But one tournament was hectic enough. I probably did not yeah. do double duty. Yeah, that's a lot. Tournaments are always low because it's just like back to back to back games all day. Yeah. Yes. Also, Florida really over air conditions its gyms. <laughs> I was very cold. Yeah. <laughs> can only imagine. You can be prepared for that tomorrow or thursday too it's always yes. cold <laughs> it's not air conditioned it's just because it's cold outside and they open the doors too much but, but, but shout out to the fort myers tip off because it was its first year of the event and besides the air conditioning it ran super smoothly and players were not asked to bring their own hand towels and there were <laughs> yes. emps on site and it was not a ballroom it was an actual gym so shout out to the fort myers tip off <laughs> yes checking out the basic things <laughs> Doing the things that you were supposed to do if you want to host a women's basketball tournament. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. But thanks, Jen, for hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to seeing you for, for Princeton UConn. And, and everyone should tune in. It should be fun. Yes, definitely. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us. Also, be sure you are subscribed to the stats site at herhoopstats.com for all of your women's basketball stats needs, both in college and the WNBA. Also, be sure to be following us on social media at herhoopstats on all platforms and subscribe to our free newsletter on Substack for all of the best content in your inbox throughout the week. Thanks again for listening.